Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible Chronological. I'm China. Today is the 25th day. Wow, the 25th day. That is our new metric of time. Welcome. We are starting today. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that was that came out of my mouth, but today is the 25th day of January. Welcome. It is so great to be here with you today. So glad that you are here reading the Word of the Lord together. And that there are so many of us all around the globe that are reading God's word together, and that He is listening, and the Holy Spirit is breathing and uh, coming alive to us in the scriptures. And um, yeah, so maybe if you are listening, quote alone or by yourself, may you just rest in the comfort of knowing that there are so many others around the global campfire who are. Listening with you today. So whether you have a a cold weather day where you're at and you really do need a campfire, or um, the weather is not so chilly, and um, you could you know you could do um, uh, a campfire setting on YouTube and just have one of those running. Those are pretty cool. But um, regardless, uh, there's a global campfire here, and we are coming around and reading. And listening to the word of the Lord together. So let's jump in. Today we are continuing our story. We are in the book of Genesis, with chapters thirty-eight through forty. At that time, Judah moved away from his brothers and settled near an Adullamite named Hira. There, Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her. After he slept with her, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son, whom she named Ur. She became pregnant again. Gave birth to a son and named him Onan. Then she gave birth to one more son and named him Shelah. She was in Chezeb when she gave birth to him. Judah married his oldest son Ur to a woman named Tamar, but the Lord considered Judah's oldest son Ur immoral, and the Lord put him to death. Judah said to Onan, "Go to your brother's wife, do your duty as her brother-in-law, and provide children for your brother." Onan knew the children wouldn't be his, so that when he slept with his brother's wife, he wasted his semen on the ground. He wouldn't give his brother children. The Lord considered what he did as wrong and put him to death too. Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, "Stay as a widow in your father's household until my son Shelah grows up." He thought Shelah would die like his brothers had, so Tamar went and lived in her father's household. After a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. Then, after a period of mourning, he and his neighbor Hira, the Adullamite, went up to Timnah, to those who were shearing his sheep. Tamar was told, "Your father-in-law is now on his way up to Timnah to shear his sheep." So Tamar took off the clothing she wore as a widow, covered herself with a veil, put on makeup, and sat down at the entrance to a name, on the road to Timnah. And she realized that although Shelah had already grown up. She hadn't been given to him as a wife. Judah saw her and thought she was a prostitute because she had covered her face. He turned to her beside the road and said, "Let me sleep with you," because he didn't know she was his daughter-in-law. She said, "What will you give me for sleeping with you?" He said, "I will give you a kid goat from my flock." She said, "Only if you give me some deposit as security to guarantee that you will send it." He said. What kind of deposit should I give you? And she said, "Your seal, 
its cord and the staff in your hand. He gave these to her, slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. Then she got up and left, and took off her veil, dressing once again in the clothing she wore as a widow. Judah sent the kid goat with his neighbor Hira, the Adulamite, so he could take back the deposits from the woman, but he couldn't find her. He asked the locals of that place, Where's the consecrated worker who was at Enaim on the road? But they said, There's no consecrated worker here. So he went back to Judah and said, I couldn't find her. The locals even said, There's no holy woman here. Judah said, Let her keep everything so we aren't laughed at. I did send this kid goat, but you couldn't find her. About three months later, Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law Tamar has become a prostitute and is now pregnant because of it. And Judah said, Bring her out so she may be burned. When she was brought out, she sent this message to her father-in-law. I'm pregnant by the man who owns these things. See if you recognize whose seal, board, and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, She's more righteous than I am, because I didn't allow her to marry my son Shelah. Judah never knew her intimately again. When she gave birth, she discovered that she had twins in her womb. At birth, one boy put out his hand, and the midwife took it and tied a red thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. As soon as he pulled his hand back, his brother came out, and she said, You've burst out on your own. So he was named Perez. Afterward, his brother with the red thread on his hand came out, and his, he was named Zerah. When Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, Pharaoh's chief officer, the commander of the royal guard, and an Egyptian, purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down here. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man and served in his Egyptian master's household. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything he did successful. Potiphar thought highly of Joseph, and Joseph became his assistant. He appointed Joseph head of his household and put everything he had under Joseph's supervision. From the time he appointed Joseph head of his household and of everything he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's household because of Joseph. The Lord blessed everything he had, both in the household and in the field. So he handed over everything he had to Joseph and didn't pay attention to anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Sometime later, his master's wife became attracted to Joseph and said, Sleep with me. He refused and said to his master's wife, With me here, my master doesn't pay attention to anything in his household. He's put everything he has under my supervision. No one is greater than I am in this household and he hasn't denied me anything except you, since you are his wife. How could I do this terrible thing and sin against God? Every single day she tried to convince him, but he wouldn't agree to sleep with her or even to be with her. One day when Joseph arrived at the house to do his work, none of the household's men were there. She grabbed his garment, saying, Lie down with me. But he left his garment in her hands and ran outside. When she realized that he had left his garment in her hands and run outside, she summoned the men of her house and said to them, Look, my husband brought us a Hebrew to ridicule us. He came down, he came to me to lie down with me, but I screamed. When he heard my, me raise my voice and scream, he left his garment with me and ran outside. She kept his garment with her until Joseph's master came home, and she told him the same thing. 
The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us to ridicule me came to me. But when I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment with me and ran outside. When Joseph's master heard the thing that his wife told him, this is what your servant did to me, he was incensed. Joseph's master took him and threw him in jail, the place where the king's prisoners were held. While he was in jail, the Lord was with Joseph and remained loyal to him. He caused the jail's commander to think highly of Joseph. The jail's commander put all the prisoners in the jail under Joseph's supervision, and he was the one who determined everything that happened there. The jail's commander paid no attention to anything under Joseph's supervision because the Lord was with him and made everything he did successful. Sometime later, both the wine steward and the baker for Egypt's king offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief wine steward and the chief baker, and he put them under arrest with the commander of the royal guard in the same jail where Joseph was imprisoned. The commander of the royal guard assigned Joseph to assist them. After they had been under arrest for some time, both of them, the wine steward and the baker for Egypt's king, who were imprisoned in the jail, had dreams one night, and each man's dream had its own meaning. When Joseph met them in the morning, he saw that they were upset. He asked the officers of Pharaoh who were under arrest with him in his master's house, Why do you look so distressed today? They answered, We've both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. Joseph said to them, Don't interpretations belong to God? Describe your dreams to me. The chief wine steward described his dream to Joseph. In my dream, there was a vine right in front of me, and on the vine there were three branches. When it budded, its blossoms appeared, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes, crushed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Joseph said to him, This is the dream, dream's interpretation. The three branches are three days. After three days, Pharaoh will give you an audience and return you to your position. You put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just the way things were before when you were his wine steward. But please, remember me when you are doing well and be loyal to me. Put in a good word for me to Pharaoh, so he sets me free from this prison. I was stolen from the land of the Hebrews, and here too I've done nothing to be thrown into this dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, It was the same for me. In my dream, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. In the basket, on top, there were baked goods for Pharaoh's food. But birds were eating out of, them, out of the basket on my head. Joseph responded, This is the dream's interpretation. The three baskets are three days. After three days, Pharaoh will give you an, an audience and will hang you from a tree where birds will peck your flesh from you. The third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a party for all of his servants. Before all of his servants, he gave an audience to the chief wine steward and the chief baker. He returned the chief wine steward to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But the chief baker, he hanged just as Joseph had said would happen, and he interpreted their dreams for them. But the chief wine steward didn't remember Joseph. He forgot all about him. So two crazy stories happened today. Um, the first one is, is so bizarre to me. 
Um, it's like two different sexual affairs try to happen. One does happen and then one tries to happen and is accused of being happening, of happening. So she gets married and the first husband is immoral so the Lord puts him to death. And then the second husband is being deceitful and he gets put to death. And so basically <laughs> what's happening is um, they're waiting for a, um, a Shelah to grow up, which <laughs> means there's a substantial age gap. And so they're just waiting for him to get older, for them to get married is, is my best guess here. And so while they're waiting for that time to, to come, um, she's realizing, okay, well, I'm, he's already grown up, but he hasn't been given to me to be my husband yet. So when Judah sees her, he assumes that she's a prostitute, which I'm like, okay, Judah, like time out. You were, your, both your sons were just killed by God because of their immorality. And yet here you are thinking that this woman's a prostitute. And so you're like, sure, why not? So I'm like, buddy, what's happening here? Um, but he sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant and she, I, I'm like that we don't see in the scripture, but I wonder if she, I, okay, pause. Sorry. My brain's kind of going a couple different directions. One, how do you not know what your daughter-in-law looks like? How do you not know what your father-in-law looks like? It seems that she knows who he is. I'm like, did she keep her face covered the whole time? Uh, which is strange to me. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so my best guess here, and I'm not trying to make a theolog theological statement. I'm just trying to understand the text a little bit better. I think my, my best guess is she knows who he is. He doesn't know who she is. She's like, let me set myself up here. One, I'll have a child. And two, I also won't get burned or like killed because I'm going to have this statement that like you slept with me. This was your idea. And so that happens. And then not only is she pregnant with a baby, she's pregnant with twins. And this part was really fascinating to me. Now that I've had a baby, I'm very aware of like birth stories and I'm like, oh my goodness, if a baby came out with their hand out first, the labor for that is whoa intense. <laughs> I, so I have heard, but okay. So then he puts his hand back. Like, I'm curious how that would go. Like once a baby's coming out, how does its hand go back? I'm, I'm not saying this is wrong or that I don't believe it. I'm just saying, wow, this is something like that I'm picturing and I'm like, okay, this is crazy. And so then... For him to be like retracted under like the the pubic bone, which is where you have to push your baby out of and like in the birth canal for him to go back and then another baby come out. I'm like, okay, very interesting. That labor must have really sucked. Um, anyway, so that's like all the story. That's like all the context that we have. He, they're named and then we go back into the story of Joseph. Now, this is a very common, very popular story that we know. Um, or maybe, maybe you don't know it. I, I'll break it down for those who don't know it. Uh, but we just read it, so there's not much that I need to break down. But what is very interesting to me is um, Joseph's heart posture. It always gets me. You know, he is, towards the end of the scripture, he's, he's talking about 
Look, I've done nothing to be down here. I've actually done nothing to even be sold into human trafficking, but he doesn't call it that, just to slavery. And then to be down here in this dungeon, I've done nothing wrong. But for him to maintain his heart posture, like we don't see any, Lord, are you kidding me? Or like any of like anger towards God or frustration towards man. He, we don't see that in the, in the text. Maybe he struggled with that. I'm not sure that would kind of make sense. Wouldn't blame him, but really he continues to be who God made him to be and who, what God gave him the gift of is to interpret dreams. And he even says like dreams are from God. And so interpretations are from God. And so he is again, this is now his, um, or sorry, I think this is his second time revealing a dream. There'll be a third that we'll read about. Um, but what's the one thing that he asks in return is, please don't forget me. Don't forget me down here. And uh, the the wine steward, uh, the cupbearer, he forgets Joseph. And so Joseph is, is forgotten. There's not a phone line. He don't get a call. There's no like, I'm, I'll scream loud enough so you can hear me through your floor vents. Like there's none of that. I don't even know that the dungeon would be under the king's house or anything like that. I think it's separate. I don't know. But there's no way that he gets out of this in his own might, you know. And it doesn't even seem like he, again, through what scripture reveals to us, I don't know how you could be content in a dungeon, in prison. And I don't know that he was or that he wasn't. But I do know that he continues to be faithful to the Lord and continues to um, be a good steward of what the Lord has given him, which is his dream interpretations and to wait on the Lord. And so I think this story really just shows me that when we are in um, less than ideal situations and we are doing everything, quote, right, and doing everything that we we're just living our lives and then things have happened to us that were like, time out. What, like, what is this? Like, what's happening? Um, some pointers. One, I think the Lord isn't always behind those things. I think that he's in them and that he guides and directs us and nothing takes him by surprise. Um, Cause I don't think that God's motive, like I don't think it was God who was behind uh, Joseph's brother selling him into slavery and then that he would be bought into Potiphar's house and then, um, or yeah, and then Potiphar's wife trying to sleep with him and then accusing him of rape and then him getting put in prison. I don't know that that was like, this is my plan for you, Joseph. It's going to be great. Could have been. I don't know for sure. But what I do know is that the Lord is sovereign and he's like, okay, I'm going to use this all for my glory and then you're going to be a, a mouthpiece. And through all of this, the Lord gets the glory and the honor. And so um, maybe you have some things going on in your life that you're like, I didn't do anything. I was just living my life and X, Y, Z is happening to me. And gosh, dang, I can't catch a break. And I'm just trying to be a, a good steward, trying to be a good believer, a good person. And these things are happening to me and I just don't even know what to do anymore. Um, we don't see that Joseph asks those questions, but like I said, it, it would make sense that he would. It makes sense that we would have those questions, kind of like um, like Job. But then to also 
just kind of rest in the fact that the Lord is sovereign and the trust that we, again, like <laughs> in this text, we don't see that the Lord is saying, Joseph, it's going to be this much longer, buddy. Hang in there. Um, things will look up. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. Like there's no um, indicator that the Lord is speaking to Joseph through this again he could have he could not have I, I don't know i'm just going by what the scripture says but i see that joseph continues to be faithful to the lord and to be faithful to what he has been given and which is his own dreams and interpretation of dreams and we'll see how that really propels him but um yeah some things that i think that are helpful to apply to our own story is Sometimes things happen and we can't control them. We cannot control the outcome no matter how much we are trying to. And then something happens and we're like, okay, don't forget me. Or maybe we're saying that to the Lord. Lord, don't forget me. And then we feel forgotten. I can promise you, like, we're in the thick of this story right now. So I won't bring the outcome to make this a feel-good message. Especially if you're in the thick of your story. Um... But what I can say for sure is that you're not forgotten. You may be in this place of a dungeon where you didn't do anything to deserve this or to, to get here. Um, this is not by your faultings. And you're here and you're being a faithful steward of what God has given you. You're doing what he's asked you and yet you feel forgotten. I can promise you the Lord sees you and I can promise you that you are not forgotten. And so Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the guidance and the direction that it gives us, even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, even maybe if we don't really want it, we just want to feel the pain and the intensity of our questions. And God, I just thank you that when we have those questions and we have our pain, you meet us in them. And so I pray that we would be a people who can learn to be uncomfortable in our own questions and doubts and big feelings. But I pray that we would remember the truth that you meet us there and that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you that you always come to rescue us. You are always coming after us. And uh, just like we are going to read soon in this story, um, we're not going to stay in this dungeon. We're not going to stay in this place. We're not going to stay in the thought or the wonder that you might have forgotten us. I think that the sweet truth is, is that there's nowhere we could go that you wouldn't be. And there's nowhere that you would be that we couldn't be. Um, and so, Lord, I just thank you for your word today. And so, in your name we pray. Amen. You are not hidden. Never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not hopeless. Though you have been broken, your innocence stolen. I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS.
there is no distance that cannot be covered over and over. You're not defenseless. I'll be your shelter. I'll be your armor. I hear I hear you.